0: chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse 9, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 9, Paul says, for you recall brethren our labor and hardship, how working night and day So as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children... So that you would walk in a manner worthy of, the, of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. Therefore when we could endure it no longer we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ... To strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. Look at chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Look at verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak... Be patient with everyone. Paul says that we need encouragement to walk in a manner worthy of God. We need encouragement to grow stronger in the Lord. We need encouragement that comes when we are together and when we edify one another. He says that there are times when we are weak, but there are also times when when I'm just flat out tired, when I am faint-hearted, and in those times I need encouragement from my brothers and my sisters in Christ. In fact, take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And I want you to notice what the Hebrew writer says in verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3 in verse 12. The Hebrew writer says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God... But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The Hebrew writer says, there it is, you need encouragement to keep you from falling away, to keep you from falling back into the sin that God sent his son to die for to save us from. What do we need? We need encouragement. Take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, and what I may define as the ultimate encouragement verse in all of Scripture. It's right here in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 23, For the Hebrew writer says this, Let us hold fast our confession, or the, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. the encouragement that only the assembling of the saints together can offer. Can I say there's something special about what we're doing here this morning? We're not just here worshiping the God of heaven. Yes, we are doing that. We're not just here learning about His Word. Yes, we are doing that. We have done that as we have sung together this morning, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We've done that in our Bible classes this morning. We're doing that right now. But that's not the only thing. Those are not the only things that we are doing. We are here, ladies and gentlemen, to encourage one another why because I need encouragement and guess what so do you we all need encouragement the weak need encouragement the struggling need encouragement the faint-hearted need encouragement it is something that we all need and we all need desperately yes I need to be built up spiritually speaking I need to be edified And yes, I need more knowledge, and and more wisdom, and more insight, and I need the truth, and I need the truth of God's Word, and I need authority from God, and I need what the Bible has to offer me. I need everything that the Bible has to offer me. But I also need encouragement. Not just encouragement from Scripture, but encouragement from the people of God who follow the Scriptures. We all need encouragement. Let me just ask you this. If if you were going to think of one man in the New Testament who was known for the encouragement that he offers, who would you think of? I'm just curious how many of you would think about Barnabas. Pretty much everybody, right? I've already, spoiler alert, I've already ruined it for us, right? Right? I put it up on the overhead already. We would think about Barnabas. Because in the New Testament, Barnabas was the great encourager of the people of God. Let me ask you this. What is it about Barnabas that made him stand out? Have you ever thought about that? Barnabas was not an apostle of the Lord. Barnabas was not, at least when we're introduced to him, some great orator, some great preacher, some great Bible teacher. At least that's not how he's introduced to us at first. Barnabas was just another man in the church. He was another baptized believer. He was another man. Who gave his life to Jesus to follow Jesus. I want to suggest to you that when it comes to Barnabas. Really and truthfully the the, the reality is. Is that there may not have been much that was very special about him at first. But what made him stand out? Why was this Levite by the name of Joseph given the name Barnabas? Which means... The son of encouragement. What was so special about him? Take your Bibles and turn back to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, because the very first thing I want us to do this morning is I want us just to walk through the book of Acts and the passages where Barnabas is mentioned. And I want us to notice some things about Barnabas. And then after that, I want us to just make some general observations. And then after that, we're going to make three applications and then this lesson will be yours. First of all, look at Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 32. Acts chapter 4 in verse 32 where we are first introduced to this man. The Bible says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. and abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or uh, house, houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles... Which translated means son of encouragement. And who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What was so special about this man? Let me suggest to you very simply that when the early disciples were in need. And they needed a sacrificial giver. Barnabas was there. Turn all the way over to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, look with me in verse 26 and verse 27. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and verse 27. You'll remember that Saul of Tarsus had just been converted. And Saul was going to Jerusalem and trying to associate with the brethren in Jerusalem. And what does the Bible say in verse 26? It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. I just want to suggest to you that when Saul needed a friend who was there, it was Barnabas. Take your Bibles and turn over to chapter 11 and notice what's said in verse 19. Chapter 11 Notice what's said in verse 19. The Bible tells us that those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And so when Antioch needed wisdom and guidance from God's word, who was there? It was Barnabas. Look down at verse 27. The Bible tells us there that now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world, and this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of his disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. And so when Antioch needed someone who was trustworthy to be their messenger and to essentially be their courier, who did they choose? They chose Barnabas. He was one who was chosen. To be this trustworthy messenger, this trustworthy courier for them. Take your Bibles and turn over to chapter 13. Chapter 13, and notice what happens in verse 1. Saul has grown. We now know him, or as the Apostle Paul, or at least that's what we're going to know him very soon. He's still called Saul here. But in verse 1, it says, There were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. By the way, I love that because that's plural, right? And that indicates growth from where they started. That church in Antioch was a growing church, but notice what it says. It says there was Barnabas and Simeon, who was also called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. When the Holy Spirit needed a preacher to accompany Paul, guess it was there. This guy who wasn't known as a preacher in the very beginning. He was just known as a sacrificial giver. It's Barnabas. He was there to accompany Paul on his first missionary journey. Look down or look over at Acts chapter 15 in verse 1 and verse 2. We see that there are some problems that existed after this first missionary journey in Antioch. And so in Acts 15 and verse 1 notice what happens. It says some men came down from Judea. And began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Skip down to verse 12. All the people kept silent. And they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When Jerusalem needed a calm voice of reason who was there, it was Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas worked with the Jerusalem council. Actually, when Antioch needed a calm voice of reason, who was there? It was Barnabas. That should probably be Antioch there. But regardless... Barnabas was there. Look at uh, verse 26, verse 26, and notice what is said there in verse 26. It says, uh, Acts 15, verse 36, I apologize, verse 36. It says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of The Lord, when John Mark needed a mentor who was there, it was Barnabas. Now, what's interesting about the book of Acts is when we read the book of Acts, most of the time we think about the apostles, right? Luke's writing this to Theophilus. We call it the Acts of what? The apostles, right? And I want to suggest to you that Barnabas is perhaps one of the most overlooked men in all of the book of Acts. Maybe one of the most overlooked men in all of Scripture. But what I want you to notice this morning is that he played a pivotal role in encouraging God's people throughout the Acts story. He was always there. It seems like if there was a problem, if there was a need, if they needed somebody to give of his financial means, to give of his time, to give of his resources, to give of his abilities and his talents, it seems that Barnabas was always there. In fact, I would suggest to you that Barnabas did not start out as this preacher and teacher of God's Word. He was baptized more than likely at Pentecost or shortly thereafter at some point. We really don't know when he was baptized, but that's when the first Christians were baptized. So not a lot of time had passed. I want you to see that this man took his talents and he allowed them to grow to the point where he was able to use his abilities for the glory of God in a relatively short amount of time. I've got to tell you about Alan Landstreet. Alan Landstreet worked with me in different sections of the investment wing of AmSouth South and Regions Bank. Morgan Keegan and some of you may know some about that. I won't bore you with all of that. Alan was married to Jenny Landstreet. Her maiden name is Jenny DeWeese. And, and, and Jenny had brought him to church and, and he had come to church with her regularly. But Alan was not a Christian. So Alan comes to church, and I remember one Wednesday night, one of the elders of the church in Collierville, Tennessee, Phil Ford Sr., came up to him and said, Alan, you know what you need to do. You just haven't done it yet. And you know what we did? We baptized Alan that night. He said, you're right. As a salesman, and Phil Ford Sr. was that. He was a state farm agent. He knew how to sell insurance. He also knew how to sell the Lord, too. He knew how to close the deal. Sometimes you just got to ask for the business. And so he told Alan, he said, it's time. And Alan said, you know, you're right. I've been putting this off for too long. And Alan was baptized. A few months later, Mallory and I moved to Bentonville, Arkansas, my first full-time work as a gospel preacher. And who calls me? And just a few months later, it was Alan. He said, hey, Wiley, I've got this invitation that I'm doing. It's my first time. Will you help me with it? That's Barnabas. Barnabas was growing, he was always there, and I think that's really important for us to notice. He was always engaged, what was happening in the kingdom, uh, in in Jerusalem, but in other places throughout uh, the the churches in in the world or in their world of that day. Barnabas was actively engaged he was always a part of the solution if there was a problem Barnabas was willing to not just bring up the problem he was also willing to be a part of the solution and let me just say we need a lot more Barnabases like that today don't just complain to me about a problem come and bring a solution and maybe your solution is not the best. At least be a part of the solution. And in the church, we have problems every now and then, don't we? But what do we need? We need more men like Barnabas who will not just complain about a problem, but they will help be a part of the solution. Barnabas was always there. He was always engaged. He was always a part of the solution. Why? Because he was a growing Christian man. Are you growing today? Or have you kind of just arrived? Are you where you're going to be from now on until you, you, you leave this earth? Can I tell you, if that's what's happening, then you are dying spiritually. Barnabas would not let that happen to him. At least that's the way the text reads to me. Three very short very short things that we need to take away from the story of Barnabas and then the lesson will be yours first of all I want you to notice that Barnabas was a man of character You cannot read the life of Barnabas without seeing that. In Acts chapter 4, after Barnabas gives the proceeds from the sale of this property to the apostles, and and everybody seems to be making quite a big deal about what Barnabas has done, what is the very next thing we read about? Have you ever noticed that? Look at Acts 5 and look at the first 10 verses. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Look at verse 1. Notice what it says. Acts chapter 5 in verse 1 says, after it talks about Barnabas, it says, But, that's one of those connecting terms. It's connecting the thoughts from the end of chapter 4 to chapter 5. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And how many of us know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? They sold the property, they held back some of the proceeds for themselves, they gave some money to the church and they had done so apparently in some way that it was deceptive, right? It was a lie and so they are called out for their lie and both of them fell down to the ground and breathed their last breath. As I said, I think last night or Friday night, I can't remember. It was not just a there's not just miraculous birds in the Bible, right? This is a miraculous death. God said, "Hey, you guys are dead. Boom. You are punished for this lie. You have lied to my people. God knew their hearts and they died." And so what's the point of this? I believe clearly That the Holy Spirit is drawing a contrast between the spirit of giving of Barnabas and that of Ananias and Sapphira. You see, Barnabas was a sacrificial giver. Barnabas was an honest man. Barnabas was a genuine man. He was a man of integrity. He was not a politician. He was not trying to compete with other brethren to see how he could be the most influential man in the church in Jerusalem. He was real. And don't you like people who are real with you? Don't you like people who are genuine? Don't you like people who who are there to serve and they have no agenda whatsoever, but they just truly want to serve you? They want to care for you. Most of the time, those are people of character. Barnabas was not acting, he was not putting on a show, he was not greedy for influence. Barnabas was a man of character. In Acts chapter 11, you can turn back over there. When the Gentiles were being converted in Antioch, who did Jerusalem send to work with all of them? They sent Barnabas. And again, we see his character in this part of the text. And I say that because this was not just an issue of some national origin. This is not, okay, we're going to send Wiley to Britain to work with some brethren in Britain or England or London or whatever you want to call it, right? This is not just that. This was an issue that also has divided our country, whether some want to admit that or not. It was an issue of race. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, right? John 4 tells us Jews did not like The Gentiles either. In fact, in Matthew 18, when Jesus is talking about church or Bible discipline, when the church was to execute discipline, what did he say to the the Jewish Christians there in Matthew? He said, let them be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. And what do you think that meant? Every Jew in the first century knew what that meant. Jews did not spend time with Gentiles. This was a racial issue. Who did they send to deal with it? They sent Barnabas. Barnabas was there to deal with the heated moments. Why? Because Barnabas was a man of character. He was a man who could unite the Jews and the Gentiles. Later in Acts chapter 11, as we've already read, when Antioch needed to send money to Judea, who took that money for them? It was Barnabas and, of course, Saul with him. They were men that could be trusted. They were men whose character, uh, was, whose, whose character was absent of greed. And let me tell you that anytime you put a lot of money under someone's supervision, there is going to be a potential for a lot of bad to happen. I know that from the standpoint of working with financial crimes in the financial industry. We can talk about that another time. But I also know it firsthand from what happens In the Lord's church sometimes. The second work Mallory and I worked with, we get there and three months later we discover that the treasurer had been embezzling, embezzled a lot, a lot, a lot of money for six years. Why? Ultimately because of greed. Because his character was lacking. That was not Barnabas. That was not Saul. They were men who could be trusted. And here's the point. If you want to be a big encouragement to people, it all starts with your heart. And it all starts with your character. It all starts with your motives. It starts with who you are on the inside. And then who you are on the inside manifests itself on the outside. It demonstrates itself. It starts with your character. And listen to me. There are a lot of people in this world who are tempted to be self-willed. They are tempted to be greedy. There are people out there that they want to be prominent and they want to be prestigious and popular. And that is nothing but a discouragement to others. Barnabas was an encourager, first because of his character. And we need to cultivate and maintain that same character. But number two, Barnabas was also a man of great capability. In fact Barnabas was a man of not just great capability. He was able to do a lot of things. We might call him the five talent man. He had the capability of of uh, capabilities of being extremely generous. He had the capability to preach and to teach the gospel, to be the calm voice of reason, to to give wise and reasoned guidance, to to, to be a mentor to John Mark. He had the capability to be a positive influence. And if you are here this morning and, and you have any capability about you, you can be a positive influence in the life of somebody else. At the very least, you can do that. Barnabas was the five talent man, but he wasn't just talented and capable. Barnabas used that capability. You know, a lot of the time, God has blessed us with great amounts of ability. But a lot of the time in this world, we seem to never use those abilities for the glory of God. I'll give you an illustration. There was a guy I knew that he was a motivational speaker in the corporate world. That's what he did. He traveled all over the place to be a motivational speaker. We asked him one time, we said, hey, will you teach a Bible class? I mean, I can't do that. I said, what are you talking about? You do this all the time in the corporate world. Why can't you teach a Bible class in the Lord's church? I just can't do that. That's not my talent. I'm sitting there going, really? He ended up teaching a Bible class, but it was because he was kind of twisted into it. And guess what? He made one great Bible class teacher. You know, there are a lot of people who are very capable of doing things, and they show their capabilities to everybody else in the world. But when it comes to the Lord's church, they hide their capabilities under a rock. And they don't want to use them. It reminds me of the parable of the talents. Turn back there in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, and notice what's said in verse 14. We're not going to read all of this, but just notice what it says. Matthew 25, look at verse 14. Jesus says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Please understand that a talent was a sum of money. It was not how we use the word talent today, as in someone was talented. But certainly that principle does apply here in this parable. Why do I say that? Well... The five-talent man and the two-talent man were men of great capability. So the master entrusted this money to them according to their own ability. The text tells us that and immediately they go, they use it, they double the money that the the master gave them. But of course the one-talent man goes, he digs a hole and he hides what the master gave to him. And we know how the story ends, don't we? This story ends the way that it does because this one-talent man was talented. He had ability, and I think sometimes we forget that. We look at the one-talented man and we say, oh, that poor one-talented man, but he was given according to his own ability too. And yet he took his ability, he hid it, he didn't use his ability, and what happens? He is judged unfavorably because of that he was lazy he was worthless in his mind he had other things to do more important things to do and using his ability for his master was not a priority in his life can i ask you this what about you what about you this one talent man did not use what was given to him by his master sometimes I'm concerned that we don't use our abilities for our master because we serve another master first there are many of you here who are capable beyond your wildest imaginations and the things that you could do in the kingdom of God are absolutely amazing if you'll just get beyond yourself sometimes and your worldly thinking. I want you to understand that. And I say that, and I don't know very many of you at all, but I say that because in any audience this size, there's got to be somebody this applies to. Because you have value. If I could get anything across to you this morning, I would say this, you have value. You are valuable to the Lord, to the Lord's people, and the Lord wants you to use your abilities, your gifts for his glory, for this local church family. And you are needed desperately because it's not just small things that you can do. It's big things. Sometimes our problem is is that we feel insignificant and that happens for several reasons. I know some brethren who feel that if they are not serving in some public role in the church services then they are not useful. Listen, just because, because you can't lead singing as much as you want to lead singing, it doesn't mean that you are not useful. I know some brethren who feel as if they are just simple and menial people. Maybe they are introverted. Maybe their personality is not at that big. And so in their minds, they say, well, I'll let the bigger personalities contribute in that way. And guess what happens when we have that attitude? If you don't use it, you lose it. That's exactly what the master said to the one talent man. If you don't use it, I'm going to take it away from you and give it to this other guy. You're going to lose it. I can't possibly do what you can do plus what I can do. Do you realize that? You can't do alone what you and everybody else can do. Do you see that? Use your capabilities for the Lord because you are capable. Sometimes... We don't use our capabilities because we just don't care. Or we care about other things first. And Barnabas was a man of care. By the way, if you want to go out in the corporate world to the sales and service industry and teach them how to be the best salespeople and be the best servants, the best offer the best customer service, this number three is the answer, right? Just care about people. Care about people, that covers everything. You'll get a J.D. Power and Associates top person and customer service and sales. Why? Because you care. Why would anybody in the first century sell a valuable piece of land and give it for the sake of others? That land was valuable. Barnabas was sacrificing something of value. You know, we know how to give. We do it every week. But do we know how to do it in a sacrificial way? And why would Barnabas do that? Land in that day and time was a lot more valuable to those people probably than it is today. But he did it because he cared. Why would anybody in the church come to the aid of Saul of Tarsus? Did you think about that as we read that? A persecutor, murderer of Christians. It's because Barnabas cared. Why would he leave Jerusalem, his home apparently, to go to Antioch and to preach and teach and then go on another missionary journey? Why would he do that? The gospel was new. Why would he do it for something that was new? (laughs) He believed. And he cared. Barnabas cared about the things that were important to God. You know, sometimes we read verses like Matthew 6 and verse 33. And I've said this already Friday night. But, but we claim to seek first the kingdom. But do we really seek first the kingdom? It's as if we want to ch- change what, what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, to say just simply seek the kingdom of God, Right? Does it say that? Just seek the kingdom of God. As long as you are seeking the kingdom of God, you're okay. It doesn't say that. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's as if we want to change the greatest command to just love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we forget about that three-letter word that's in front of all of those things. It's the word all. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. You love him with every fiber of your being first. That was Barnabas. He put kingdom work ahead of everything else. It became his life. Our problem today is that we are so busy with all of these other things. We wake up early. We get ourselves ready, we get the kids ready for school, we eat breakfast, we hopefully feed the kids, if we can remember, we take the kids to school, we go to work, we work hard, we pick the kids back up from school, we take them to the play rehearsal, or the band rehearsal, or the basketball practice, or the baseball practice, or the chorus concert. Or we get home, we scarf down dinner, we go and we do the laundry, we pick up the house a little bit, we go to bed, and we wake up the next day to do it all over again. Let me ask you this, is there anybody who feels that they are just too busy? Please, if you're, if you're willing to raise your hand, tell me, do you feel like you're too busy? Okay, I'm the only one that feels like he's too busy. I am the only, there's some, some are kind of doing this right here. They're kind of doing that. That's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just say something? If you're too busy to put the Lord first, you are too busy. Satan does something that we don't think about in towns like Athens, Alabama, where there are like a hundred churches, right? Can I say that? There's a lot of Christians in Athens that are living a faithful life. Satan says, well, I can't tempt them in some of these other ways because they may not fall for that. Some of them might, who knows. But I can tempt you in a subtle way. I can turn your minds away from what is the most important. And I can put your minds on good things. But here's the problem. Those good things are not the best things. And so I can take and I can distract God's people with good things so that they won't put God first and do the best thing. That's the world we live in. Satan is so stinking smart. Is the chorus concert, is it bad? Hopefully not. The band rehearsal, the football games, the basketball games, the baseball games, the football games, the soccer games, I don't know what you play. Are those things bad in and of themselves? No. They teach kids great things. They teach them to compete. I love competing, right? The Bible talks about competing, right? great things parents listen to me they're not the best things if you want to give your child something that will last them for a lifetime and beyond that care about the kingdom care about God's people and put it first because your child is not going to be a professional athlete. No offense. Your child is not going to be some famous person, more than likely. I'm not trying to crush your hopes and your dreams by reliving your glory days through your child. But the reality is, is what they need is to learn to serve God's kingdom and his people and do it first. First. Can I just say if you'll master that, you'll be a Barnabas and you'll teach your kids how to care about what really matters. I played baseball. I was even offered a scholarship to play baseball. I sang in the chorus. I don't know why, but I, I sang in the chorus. I was able to do all those things, but you know what? I never missed a gospel meeting night for a ball game. I can honestly say that. And by the way, if your kids are really that good, your coach isn't going to kick them off the team, even if he's mad that they miss it. Just for the record. The reality is, is that God needs to come first in our lives. We need to care about first things first. That was Barnabas. And that's who God calls us to be, a man of encouragement. You want to encourage people? Have the right character. Use your capabilities and care and put first things first. And if you will do that, you will encourage everybody in this room and your family will be a blessing to this whole community. Because in my house, God comes first. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And I hope that I've said something that will help you to be better That will motivate you to want to serve the Lord first And encourage his people Because ladies and gentlemen This is the best group of people That the world has ever known We are God's people Think about that We are the creator's people Don't forget who you are and who comes first in your life You may be here and you're a child of God And and God has not been first in your life We'd love to help you get back on track We'll pray with you and for you That God will forgive you We know that he will because he said that he would That's his promise We can help you You may be here and you've never obeyed the gospel In Acts 2 and verse 38 On the day of Pentecost Peter said repent And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ For the forgiveness of your sins Do that right now as we stand together, and as we sing.